0: Hey guys, Ed from Paranormal Inc. Ohio here, back at it again with another podcast episode. Tonight's podcast episode is kind of a a, a really good one, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna say. Uh, have you ever heard you know that police go out and they go to the craziest things. You know, sometimes it can be the most dangerous thing, it could be not so dangerous, or yes, indeed, it can be paranormal. So, I did some research and I searched the web and I read some books and I found a lot of stories from law enforcement where they are telling their story of something paranormal. And so, I am here to tell those stories tonight to you so you guys can hear them firsthand. The first one is called A Different Kind of Evil. Several years ago, I took a 911 call for a family reporting their teenage daughter was possessed. They claimed no possibility of drugs or a history of mental health issues, which I, of course, didn't believe for a second. Family members were holding her down, and I could hear two people screaming in each other. In the background, I asked the caller to tell whoever was yelling at her to stop. The caller said, it's her. I responded that... I knew it was her, but whoever was yelling at her at the same time needed to stop. The caller again said, It's her. Both voices are her. I kid you not. It was the creepiest thing I ever heard. I have been doing this for 25 years and have heard many things. I know of man's inhumanity and the horrible things people do to each other, but this, this was a different kind of evil. I was clearly hearing a young girl screaming at the same time an adult male was yelling back. I couldn't understand either language, but they were clearly two different voices. The family swore both voices were coming from her. At the same time, it made my skin crawl. The lieutenant listed. The lieutenant listened Sorry, I can't read my own handwriting, guys. The lieutenant listened to the tape later, and he looked at me and said, "Do you ever wonder?" And I said, "Yes." Yes, I do. So that was a story about a possession. So this cop evidently had a 911 call from some people that had their daughter or sister or whoever was clearly possessed by something very horrible. So the next one is going to be cell one is empty. I've seen a lot of things in my career, things that would make a citizen doubt my sanity from being dispatched to chase a UFO to responding to calls of ghosts. But the most unusual thing that happened to me was witnessed by several officers and a dispatcher. One evening, I had brought in a guy for domestic violence, and as he was a bit rowdy, I was joined in booking by the sergeant and another patrolman. I'm in the process of booking Mr. Tough Guy when I glanced into cell number one. There was a guy in there, short haircut, glasses and a white t-shirt just staring at us I ignored him of course because I didn't want him to start banging on the window demanding a phone call or something like that so I finished the booking process and escort Mr. Tough Guy to his cell walking past cell number one the guy in the cell just stood there never saying a word or moving we all then leave booking and go about our business Sometime later, Sergeant asked me to check the paperwork for the prisoners to see if any were ready to transport to the county jail. I grab the paperwork and go into booking to do a headcount. Cell number one is empty. I panic and tell the sergeant, who also panics. And he and I began to make phone calls to the detectives to see if they had moved the guy or had released him. They all said they didn't go into booking at all. I then checked the computer and paperwork again, and the head count was accurate. No one had been placed in cell number 1. We go to the dispatch office to check the surveillance video for booking, we rewind the footage to where I can be seen booking my prisoner, we fast forward to the point in the video where we all work out. As soon as we walk past the door, the guy in cell 1 blinks out of existence. We were all freaked out by the occurrence. Believe you me, when we tried to transfer the video to a DVD and USB drive, the guy in the cell did not appear. We still hear and see stuff every now and then. And prisoners in the detox tank can be seen talking to someone in the direction of cell number one, even though it appears empty. To this day, I'm wary of going into booking alone. This officer was obviously inside of a haunted part of his precinct that was the jail cell. Um, obviously, cell number one was empty, and that, that would be kind of freaky. You go up to somebody like that, and they're in a cell. You know they can't get out. You know there's nothing they can do to leave, and then all of a sudden, they're gone. And you check the tapes, and all of a sudden, the tapes is clearly saying or showing that he's he's not in there there's nobody there so that would totally freak me out like, i that would totally freak me out like that's crazy like i worked in the prison system and just the fact that you know nobody can get out of these cells and that who wow <clears throat> okay this next one is called welfare check I answered a welfare check call one night late between 0230 and 0300, when an elderly woman who lived next door to the caller and had not been seen for some time. This night we were having a bad thunderstorm without the rain. I get to the complainant's house to speak to her first, wondering why she called at this time. She tells me the lady next door is in her 90s, lives alone, and she has not seen her in weeks. She explained that she has called went over and knocked on the door, but the lady will not answer. I start thinking she is probably deceased, and has been for some time. The car has a three-inch layer of dust on it, the mail is piling up, and no lights are on. First, I walk to the side door and knock on the door, with my flashlight, knocking loud enough an elderly person with some hearing should hear it. After a few minutes of no response, I turned around and walked to the backyard, and looking at the windows, and find everything okay. The complainant is with me, and is saying she doesn't know if any relatives of the lady are around. I'm sure by now that she is probably deceased. I walk to the front of the house and notice that her blinds are up on the front windows, and I can see a glow from the inside. I am, however, not tall enough to look into the windows, which are probably seven feet off the ground. The complainant runs next door and grabs a bucket for me to stand on. I get on the bucket and bingo. I can see the living room. The glow is from the TV, which was on a blue screen. And it's bright enough I didn't need my flashlight to see in. I looked first at the floor to make sure she had not fallen there. Then I looked at the couch. (coughs) Excuse me, guys. The recliner. Everything was empty. The telephone home base was blinking red with missed calls and voicemails. From the living room was a hallway that was dark and I couldn't see down. Using my flashlight, I can only see an open door down the hall. Still no signs of life. I turned around and told the complainant that everything looked okay and that nothing was disturbed. I turned back around and an elderly woman is looking back at me with her face right up next to the glass. I couldn't breathe. It felt as if I had been hit in the chest by a bat. I fell backwards and off of the bucket. I hit the ground hard, and the complainant rushed to me. I pushed her off as she was trying to help me up, and I ran back up on the bucket. My heart was pounding, but I had to see. Instinct had my hand on my gun. The other was up in the window. I looked back inside and saw a frail elderly woman standing in the hallway wearing a long nightgown with her back to me. She turned her head to the side and looked at me, out of the corner of her eye, and slowly walked out of view and down the dark hallway. That unnerved me. I got down and looked at the complainant who was standing there with a puzzled look on her face. All I could say was I saw her. By now the wind had picked up and it began to rain. I began to walk back to my car. By the road and I turned back to the complainant and said, don't come back here. I got into the car and drove to the PD. I never found out about the lady who lived there. The complainant didn't call back and the house now has different tenants inside. Some things I believe are just better left alone. Now, can you believe looking inside of a house and you see nothing and you turn back for just one second and you turn around again and there's an elderly face just staring at you from the window. That would just I would have a heart attack. And then because the windows are 7 feet up, you know, how did this old is this old lady floating? And then she looks back and sees that there is nothing there. Yeah, that would just... I I don't know how I would respond to that. I mean, I think I do. i probably have a heart attack and drop over. But doing the paranormal investigating that I do and that I've done for so very long now, you tend to get used to that. But sometimes the spirits catch you off guard and it's just... Boom! They're there. And it just absolutely just terrifies you. So... That was the story of the welfare check. The next one is called No Scent. Over 20 years ago, I took an alarm call at the old PTA building across the street from a courthouse in Austin, Texas. The alarm had already gone quiet when I showed up with a senior officer. We found an unsecured door slightly open on the east side. So he posted me there while he finished the perimeter and other officers arrived. I was staring right at the door when the alarm activated again and the door slammed shut in my face, loudly. The senior officer ran back to my position and asked why I closed the door. I told him I didn't. We called for K-9 and the dog arrived shortly. I went in the can- I went with the K-9 to clear the building. We found nothing, but the entire time the dog was acting very weird, like someone was in the building. But he wasn't picking up a cent. We secured the building and the keyholder showed up. He said, Well, you know, this place is haunted, right? There was a secretary who worked there for about 30 years, and after she died, she keeps showing up for work. Papers fly off the desks, doors close, sightings, the works. We both told the keyholder the next alarm call there was all his. So, they obviously went to a very haunted location to where there was a residual haunting going on where this woman who had passed away there was still showing up for work every day. And that is very common too, guys. It's, I mean, nine times out of tens, most hauntings that I go to are residual hauntings. It's just the spirit doesn't know that they're dead. And they're still living their day-to-day life each and every day. They don't know that we're there. They don't see us. They don't hear us. A residual haunting is just what it is. It's residual. It's just stuck in place. It's like a always on repeat for eternity. And those are some of the hardest cases to do because you have to try to get across to the spirit to let them know that they've passed and they need to cross over. A lot of times when they do find out, they get very scared. And they don't want to. I mean, it's kind of weird. All of a sudden, you got some weird person that they've never seen before telling them that they're dead and that they're, you know, in essence, a ghost. So the next one is called Clark Hall. I was working at a college that claims to be haunted. My partner and I didn't believe any of it. We go into Clark Hall, which was, which has classrooms, and start propping doors open with desks. This is around 0, 200 hours. We probably walk through and made sure the building was empty, only two stairwells, Donut wasn't hard to go. We're on the third floor, I finished my door and wedged the desk in between the door and the frame. When I finish, I shake it to make sure it's in there pretty secure. I go over to help my buddy with his door, when behind me, the door I was working on opens up and the chair desk combo flings across the room, and the door slams. He takes off running, jumping, landing to landing. I still don't think he's ever gone in that building again. These are two officers that went to a college. And again, it's another haunting. But I believe this is more like an intelligent haunting. They know what the officers are doing. So he decides, or the spirit, decides to fling the desk and the chair across the room and slam the door to let them know like... Hey, you guys don't believe this. Well, you should because, in fact, we are very real and we are here to stay. So the next one was another officer, and this one's called Burglary in Progress. I was called to a Burglary in Progress during the daytime. The owner was in the kitchen and heard someone run upstairs to the third floor. Old house and wooden stairs, you know, they make creaks and sounds. I set up a perimeter around the house. I came up with K-9... Just as I gave canine warning, a perimeter officer saw a hand pull a curtain back on the top door and relayed the info to me. Thinking surely we would be making an apprehension with the canine, sent my partner in. Long story short, nobody was found in that area. The officer is 100% certain that he saw what he saw. The homeowner was confident he heard the running up the 12 steps again another haunting um this could either be residual or intelligent uh being residual as in the fact that it ran upstairs maybe that's just what it did during its day-to-day life but i think it was an intelligent haunting because it pulled the curtain back so it knew it was trying to hide so, the next story is called Just Saying Hello. Now, I call these stories, guys. They're not made up stories. They're, they're real. They're true life experiences from these officers who have witnessed these things and they have given their statements. And these are the things that happen, is what they're telling. This one's called Just Saying Hello. A couple of years back, I was patrolling around 0300 to 0400, 3 a.m. to 4 a.m., guys. I drive by a small airport in my jurisdiction. That is in the middle of the woods, which has several hangars and one main office building. I drive by it a few times at night, as it has been burglarized in the past. On this particular night, I'm driving by and hear an audible alarm sounding from inside. I was not dispatched and did not receive any other calls about it. I call it in and walk up to the building, which is completely dark and not occupied. Every point of an entry is secure, so I am now waiting on the keyholder to let me in to clear the inside. I figure a loose door, the wind, etc. Trick the alarm. The keyholder comes out with his wife in a couple of minutes and they open up the door for me. I clear the entire office, the garage, etc., etc. Nothing is disturbed. The keyholder is confused as the alarm is not a motion alarm nor an alarm system at all. The keyholder explains to me that the alarm is coming from a crash, a crashed-up cash register that was opened inside of the office. The cash register could only be opened by pressing a hidden button, which was, you know, or it was beaten open, as which in this one is. And the hidden button, which I'll say was extremely well hidden without going into too much detail, the only people who knew where the button was located was he his wife and his deceased father. He told me the cash register closes and locks and without pressing this button it couldn't possibly open. It was not an oversight neither, as I had driven by several hours before and heard nothing. The money was not disturbed, however, the register was all the way open. The keyholder smiled and told me that his father had created and owned the airport before he passed away, and that the air planes in this place in particular, were his passion and life's work. The keyholder told me that he believes his father does things like that to bring his family to the airport just to say hello and make his presence known. I don't have any other explanation for it, he said. So this story is kind of like the deceased father is trying to, you know, stay in contact with his family. I believe it's an intelligent haunting. This next one is called All Alone. I was the sergeant working overtime, graveyarded at a now demolished sub. It was my lunch break, and I heard someone open the door at the other end of the sub and heard footsteps. I had the light off in my office because the hall lights more than lit it up. I saw someone in the door, and when I turned to look, it was a shadow figure standing in the doorway as if to say, Hi, sergeant. It wasn't something I saw out of the corner of my eye, And it was there for a couple of seconds and then went on towards the lieutenant's office later when i asked the guys if they have ever experienced anything strange at the sub they responded that's why we don't come back until the sun comes up i found out about other experiences that others had and it was similar i'm still a skeptic but i can't explain what i saw this officer was guarding a sub in the middle of the night and he heard what we just talked about and was a shadow figure. This could have always been somebody who has either worked in the sub and died or it could be multitudes of things. And he saw the shadow figure, which kind of scared him and he still can't understand what he saw to this day. He can't explain it. So this next one is called good conversation. I was working at our jail and while doing my watch tour, I was heading into medical and heard two people having a conversation and thought it was two inmates in a cell talking. I went to the first cell and no names on the door. So I didn't look in. I went to the next door and had one name on it. I opened the hatch to look in and there was a guy in there. I didn't say anything at first to him. And as in closing this, his hatch, he asked me if I could move his neighbors over because he was alone And would like some company. I then went over to the previous door. And checked in the window. Just in case someone didn't put the names on the door. I looked in. And nobody was in the cell. I went back to the guy in the other cell. And asked him if he had heard people talking. And he stated yes. They had been talking a lot. I informed him that there was nobody next door. And I got out of there. Again another haunted prison. Jail type precinct. And and these places are, yeah, I think these places are old. Very, very old. And a lot of things happen in these places, especially prisons, jails, what have you, holding cells. A lot of people get brutally murdered or raped inside these cells. And that can stain the walls with a residual energy. It can also open the door for many demonic things. So the next uh, one is called The Boy on the Bench. I worked security in a medical center after retirement, opened the place one morning at 0500, 5am. As I passed an alcove, for an instant, I saw a boy about nine years old, barn hair, striped shirt, sitting on a bench, and he was gone. Anyway, out of the embarrassment, I never told a soul about it. I had eight retired detectives working for me and one day I was having a conversation with one of them. <clears throat> Very sheepishly, he asked me if I ever saw anything strange in the place <clears throat> Sorry, guys. when I opened it in the morning. When I asked him why he said that, he said he saw a young boy wearing a striped shirt sitting on the bench, and he was gone. The same location where I saw the kid, other things that happened were coffee pots being knocked over and footsteps late at night. When closing, later found out, that the medical center was located adjacent to the most haunted cemetery on Staten Island. (coughs) So, this just sounds like something of the coming from the cemetery over and just kind of attaching itself to the medical center. (coughs) So, that's what that sounds like. Um, A lot of spirits will do that where they don't know where to go. They don't know what's going on so they just wander from place to place. This one is Rural Encounter. I work on county roads and I had a signal, 100 at 3 a.m., and my closest bathroom was 30 minutes out. So I pulled down a dark gravel road and started my business. I felt like someone was watching me, looking toward the rear bumper of the unit, and approximately 20 feet behind me, rear behind me in my rear bumper, I saw a shadowy figure standing there. I stop and zip up, I wasn't finished and yell out to what I thought was a person. I got no reply from the figure. I start to apologize to the figure, thinking this is a landowner coming to see who was peeing on their driveway, but no response. I then go into tack mode and demand them to show their hands and identify themselves, but no answer. I finally get smart and use my light to see who was who was there and as the light passes over the area the figure was gone keep in mind this conversation was about 20 seconds long and I just saw something there I look around and I hear no running through the brush I turn to get I turn to get make into my unit and I take one more look back and see a shadowy figure move towards me from where I just saw it needless to say I got in my unit and sped off because bullets were not going to stop this spirit. This sounds like a place that was very haunted. That maybe this shadow figure or this spirit had died on that roadway and was haunting the roadway. I know that there is a lot of you know, Dead Man's Curves, Crybaby Bridge, and there's a lot of these stories of haunted roads, and some are true. Some are very true. Uh, as, as much as there is the, the fake ones, some are very, very authentic. this next one is a short one guys sound the alarm the jail had a notorious ghost Sarah Ware who would play with the lights and set off alarms most of the alarms are panic alarms in locked offices where switches actually had to be pushed and slid into a slot to activate it got to the point where the officers were afraid to go into the courthouse for an alarm this sounds like just a like like it's like it says, this ghost of Sarah is there, and she is not going anywhere, and she is going to play with these things for as long as possible. Alright, guys, so we're going to move on to the next one, and this one is called Secret Friends. This is another short one. <clears throat> a little kid on a custody exchange kept telling me about her secret friends. I stand there all the time for this custody exchange because the court had deemed it necessary for an officer to be there whenever the parents would do exchanges for visitations. So she would always tell me about her secret friends standing near me. Not really too scary, but the, but creepy, especially when she's telling me the one doesn't like me so was this just a child with a wild imagination or was she actually seeing different spirits I know demonic entities like to attack children because they're the most gullible and they're the most sin free they want to corrupt and take over so they come to them as imaginary friends so sometimes if you hear your children talking to something that's not there be careful because it may not you may not be able to see it but it very well could be there talking to your child This story is going to be the last one of the evening. This one is called Hind Legs. One year, our department started receiving complaints of headstones being knocked over in the city cemetery around Halloween. The chief advised us on the midnight shift to spend our extra time around the cemetery to catch the persons or person causing damage. Me being sneaky, I found a good hiding place a hidden observation point about a block away there were two major well-lit streets providing fair lighting in the cemetery for several nights i would from time to time stop and check the cemetery with my binoculars and only patrol the cemetery at the start and end of my shifts as usual one time checking the cemetery i spotted something that looked like a cat walking on its hind legs i watched it walk approximately 10 feet between headstones and lost sight of it. I rushed over to the area in my patrol car turning on my spotlight alley lights and takedown lights. Couldn't find a thing but a track through the dew on the grass that dead ended at a headstone. To this day I can remember how it moved and its outline in my binoculars so creepy. I'm an avid hunter and I've done plenty of hunting at night. I am very familiar with all the animals in my neck of the woods, and I have never seen anything like this before. That sounds like a cryptid. He seen something that was just not supposed to be there. Um, I tell you what, guys, we, we're going to keep going. I don't want to stop this now. I was going to make this a two-parter, like a two-night thing, but I don't want to stop. So I'm going to go ahead and keep going. I'm going to tell you a little bit more. Uh, I'm having fun telling these. I love telling these guys. I love hearing people's firsthand experiences and then telling, you know, telling it in a podcast film. This one's called Home. Several years back, my partner and I were looking for a kidnapping suspect in some abandoned houses around 3.30 a.m. We go to check a house in a very rural and remote part of the country. The house is extremely large and creepy-looking. We make entry and find the inside of this house is like something out of Tim Burton's nightmare. There are walls going halfway up and stopping. There were doorways barely big enough to stick your head through and opening up into massive empty rooms. Every time we thought we'd made it to the top floor, we'd find another staircase. Leading up, finally, we make it to the attic and find all kinds of crazy stuff drawn on the walls. Needless to say, we finished clearing the house and got out of there. This next one is called Entry Tools, guys. I responded to a suicide. The co-led detective, the co-lead detective, a male had hung himself in the tree in the backyard. We checked the residence and it was locked with a deadbolt thrown on both entry doors. I called for entry tools and a supervisor for a breach because the descendant's girlfriend was not accounted for and they lived together possible murder-suicide. Several patrol officers and I were standing at the back door of the house south side, which had been checked multiple times. Waiting on entry tools, I look at the door and there's a gap in the frame and see there's no deadbolt thrown anymore. I checked the door and it's now open. We clear the residence and no one is inside. I even had them clear the attic space. Inside the door that magically opened were multiple notes to family members from the descendant. We all walk outside and are, walk- and are waiting, on in- and waiting on knock to arrive. That was, you know, people that, you know, kind of go into the house that gives them the okay to bust in after they've gone in. These guys come in after they bust in and make sure everything was legit. And try to walk back in. The door is secured again with a deadbolt. It should be noted, no one had keys, and there were key locks on both sides of the door. The lead and I were now discussing how we were going to have to call for entry tools. And again, the door was open. No one going near it. I again had the residence cleared and no one inside. The lead detective and I did not go back to that house that day or ever again. Guys, that sounds like a very intelligent uh, spirit that was just playing games with these officers. Taking the lock off, putting the lock back on. Taking the lock off, putting the lock back on. Just playing with these officers. I mean, that's just kind of, you know, I don't understand why... (laughs) Sometimes I don't get why the spirits do this. I mean, I do and I don't. I mean, they've got nothing but time. So, why not mess with the cops, I guess. Alright, guys. So, we're going to do one more tonight, guys. Um, This one is pretty long, but it's really good. So, I hope you guys enjoy this. This one's called Police 1 Reader's Response. I was working receiving and release when we had an inmate released to a state mental hospital. When he was given his release clothing, he looked toward me with a thousand-yard stare and said, Why don't you just do it? I asked what he meant. With zero inflection and staring right through me, he said, I know why you're here. Kill me already and get it over with. There was no one else in the holding tank, however. I looked over my shoulder to make sure no one had entered and then no one had when I placed him in handcuffs he suddenly focused on me as though just noticing I was there he said to me he's going to kill me don't let them take me he survived the transport but it was definitely creepy I was a new cop in my FTO and I were on a residential street in the middle of the night we found a car positioned perpendicular to the road and the driver seemed to be trying to get turned around, but just kept moving back and forth. We contacted the driver, who was a female in her early 20s. She was lucid and coherent. She asked me how to get to a nearby neighborhood called Joaquin Moreta, but she was being somewhat evasive in her answers to my questions. Eventually, she reluctantly told me her family was being held hostage, and the only way she could get them released would be to complete missions for the CIA. I figured she was on drugs or just crazy. My FTO was a DRE and he determined she wasn't on drugs. Okay, so she's just crazy then. Then she told me she had a device in the car, which was like a handle with an arrow on the top of it. She said if she held the device, the arrow would glow when it was pointed in the direction she was supposed to go to, continue her missions. I asked if I could examine the device, and she said sure. I decided to humor her and held the device out while slowly turning in a circle. To my shock, the arrow suddenly brightened when it was pointed toward the Joaquin Moretta neighborhood. And only when it was pointed in that direction, she had an expression on her face like, See, I told you. I had never seen a device like that before or since. My FTO was freaked out and he told me, she's not committing any crimes, so let's get out of here. So we left. To this day, I have no idea what was actually happening there. So that's another one. Like I can only imagine what these officers have to go through. They find all these these crazy people, they, they, they're on drugs, they, they come up with some of the wildest stories, probably. And what do you believe and what do you don't believe? Well, these officers came across somebody like that, that they, they thought was just either on drugs or a nut. <clears throat> and the FTO decided that she was not on drugs, so they thought she was just a crazy person. So they wanted to see this device, and all of a sudden the device pointed in the area where she's supposed to go. So is there otherworldly things that work here? Or was it just a crazy person with a pretty cool toy? That I don't know. So, and I don't know even how. I've never come across anything like that. I, I have done paranormal investigating since 2005. And I've known about the paranormal my entire life. And I've had nothing like that ever happen. I've had very scary encounters with some very scary things. But some of these stories these officers told... And tonight's uh, podcast was just absolutely insane. And the fact that they already have to go through so much crap throughout their day-to-day or night-to-night jobs and add on top of it the paranormal. I can only imagine where there will be tons and tons more of stories. So I hope you guys enjoyed tonight's episode. Tomorrow night I will do a part two to this. I will have a few more stories. That from these officers where they have first handed account with these things. The paranormal. Um, so I hope you guys enjoyed tonight. So tomorrow night at 10pm will be part 2 of the police encounters with the paranormal. As always you can go to paranormalinc.com which will take you straight to the main page. There you can check out some old ghost stories and some ghost hunts that I've done. There you can check out our crystals and the powers that they hold. Sage bundles for all cleansing needs. And some bracelets, necklaces, and pins for the crystals. There you can go to Paranormal Eagle Ohio group. There we discuss everything paranormal. And from there, you give me the ideas for shows. I do the research. I come up with the, with the shows. And I give you a shout out or I have you on the show. From there, you can go to Paranormal Inc. Ohio. That, that is our TikTok and YouTube page. There you can check out some more ghost stories and ghost hunts there. And of course, on every podcast menu available is the Paranormal Inc. Ohio podcast. I want to thank each and every one of you guys for coming to tonight. I know it was a longer episode than usual. And it would have been even longer if I'd have kept going. But I stopped my research and went ahead and told the ones that I told that I had now. Um, I really like doing this tonight's episode, guys. So tomorrow there's going to be a part two to this, the police encounters with the paranormal. And I hope to hear and see you guys all there tomorrow night. So I hope guys have a good night. Thank you for coming out and checking out the episode. And you will hear me tomorrow at 10 p.m. for another podcast episode. Thanks, guys.